it's wonderful to be a Christian. It's wonderful to be a child of, the, child of God, and it puts a joy in my heart that cannot be taken away. I know life sometimes uh, deals you with some rough, rough things, but down deep, with, with Jesus in your heart, there's a joy that can never be taken away. We're like an old church choir, just singing and praising and giving him glory. Will you stand with us and let's sing that song, Old Church Choir. There's revival. Uh, my uh, my click track over here was giving me a tempo, and it was the wrong song. So I was like, that was the slowest joyful song. Uh, revival. And there's a name. Sorry, let's try it again. There's revival. Oh, that's it right there. And it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of a gospel song. Oh, what you choosing? You can't lose it, cause there ain't
Amen. Come on, Tim. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Todd, way to get us started. Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. If you're a guest with us, you'll see there in the pew rack in front of you is one of these little white guest registration cards. And we'd love to be able to connect with you. We'd love to be able to tell you about what God's doing in and through this church and about how you can be a part of it. And so this is just a way for us to connect with you, a way for us to find out how we can pray for you. And, uh, and so you can indicate on there if you want us to, to connect with you through phone, through email, however you want us to do that. And we'd love to be able uh, just, to, just to make a contact with you. And so at the conclusion of the service, as you're exiting the doors, as you walk down to the left, you, there's a, a black box that you can place this in at the welcome desk. Or you can hand it to uh, one of the pastors that will be there at the desk at that moment. And so we appreciate that you're here. Thank you for being here this morning. We hope uh, that you enjoy being a part of worship this morning. As we continue to worship, I just want us to pause and just pray and just ask God uh, to lead us in this, these next few moments. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can gather here to worship. We thank you uh, for your word, that your word gives us truth, that it helps us to navigate life, God, that it, it gives us the wisdom that we need to, to follow you, to trust in you, to honor you with our words and our lives. And Lord, as we have just sung, uh, no matter what we're faced with, no matter the difficulties we go through, no matter the trials that we endure, oh God, you give us joy. You give us peace that um, is unexplainable. And so difficulties in life come our way. But our joy and, this, and the salvation that we have through you um, carries us through all things. God, we thank you for your hope and your joy and your peace. As we continue uh, to hear from Jake, to hear from your word this morning, uh, we pray that your word changes our, our hearts and our lives in these next few minutes. Lord, it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. We can stand and let's sing together. Lord, you are the king. You are the king of my heart. Please sing it with us. Deanna's going to help us out. The king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of Be the wind inside my sails, the air. 
For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And every knee will bow before you. Oh, oh. 
Lord of Lords. Isn't that awesome? And he invites us into his presence. Would you be seated? Got a little something special for you today. Um, I heard this song recently, and uh, it's kind of been all over the internet and uh, made a big scene of uh, just how great it is and how God has touched it. Uh, there are so many times in our lives that, um, that we just forget to pray, you know? I got this sticker on my, on my computer. Uh, I, I hate that I have to put it there because so many times I try to solve problems and then suddenly it dawns on me, have you prayed about it? So I've got it there on my sticker. It's still my, it says, have you prayed about it? And so uh, this song just reminds us that, that we can come in the midst of strife, in the midst of issues that are too big for us to overcome, and we can pray, and we can pray in Jesus' name. So I hope you'll watch this video. I hope it'll bless your heart. Maybe it'll speak something to you. I love how the girl in this video, she stands at this house, and she prays over the house because there's conflict inside. And maybe that's your house. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you need to just stand up and, and pray over your house. But this is a song called In Jesus' Name. Let's try it again. We, we missed it. Let's try it again. <laughs> it's a weird, little bit of, con okay, we got this. To get, to get us synced up with the video, we have to be right on. So let's try it one more time from the top, Charles. Thank you. 
circumstances will change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that the breakthrough would happen Lord, we come before you this morning. We know that there are all sorts of situations and circumstances in our lives that just tear us apart. Things that things that we can't that we can't fight on ourselves on our own. These are these are things that are too big for us to deal with. And so, Lord, we come to you, Lord, this morning, on our knees, praying, Lord. Intervene, Lord. Bring revival to our lives, to our, to our relationships. Bring revival to our church. Bring revival to our nation. And Lord, let us go forward on our knees as we call out in Jesus' holy, precious name that you will do a great work in our lives. Help us to call out to you. Maybe we're that house. Maybe we're that home, that family that, that needs intervention right now. And so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you'll bring healing and restoration and revival in our lives. Change our hearts, Lord. It all comes from our heart. It's the, there's the, the crooks of the problem is down there in our hearts. And, Lord, so we pray for changing of our hearts. And we pray that we start today as you, as you bring Jake here and he gives us good words from your, your message that remind us that our hearts need revival and restoration. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers today. Open our hearts and our minds to hear from you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Todd and musicians, for a powerful morning uh, thus far. And uh, as we come into a third week of this series, um, I want to back up for just a second and tell you that Easter is swiftly approaching in two weeks. And um, Lifeway Research says that an unchurched person is 66% more likely, two-thirds more likely, to attend church if they've received a personal invite from a family or a friend. So we want to make that easy for, for us to do that. So we've made these invite cards that are at the Welcome Center. Uh, they have just a kind of graphic that shows when and where, and then you go to the back, you get a map and all kinds of other information, QR code to our website. We've tried to make this easy for people to invite those without a church home to come to our Easter services. It seems like Christmas and Easter are big moments where people are willing to come to church, and it's a great opportunity for people to hear the gospel. And so we got 750 of these cards, which is almost enough for every person to take one of these and invite somebody, and some of you can invite two. You know, there's a couple extra that you can have. Uh, but we'd invite you today and next week, if we have some left over, to go by the Welcome Center to pick up a few of these cards and then 
pray over them, and then invite someone to our Easter services coming up on April 17th. It's just a great moment to invite our community. So many new people are moving into Coffee County. So would you take one of these cards and use it uh, in the next two weeks to invite someone to our Easter services? Um, today we're going to be in three different passages, starting in Matthew chapter 8. And as you go there, throughout this series, we've been talking about what's in our hearts. And as we turn the corner from the first week of saying, hey, uh, it's not just behavior modification. We don't want just an outward religion. We want our hearts to look more and more like Jesus. Um, we're starting to look into our hearts and say, what are, what are things we need to work on? Today we come to this final week where we, we look forward. Last week we looked backwards to the past. Today we look forward to the future. And we're going to talk about fear. We want to deal with the fear and anxiety that we may have about the things that are unknown and uncertain in our lives. And if you think about this, fear is both good and bad, right? Um, some of us are ruled by fear. We've got other people, though, you could use a little bit more fear. Fear would do you some good. I've got these two two-year-olds in my house. You've probably heard of them. Their name's Elliot and Caitlin. I won't name names, but one of them is really, really cautious Sometimes I'll, I'll pick him up and I'll get him over my head and he's like, whoa, you know, that, I don't go that high. Put me back down. And then uh, the other one, uh, she was at the rec center this week and she was just walking up to strangers saying hi. And she grabbed one lady by the hand and just said, come on, let's go. And she could use a little more fear. That would be good for her. But, you know, fear can rob you from opportunities. It can impact your relationships. It, it works in how you parent sometimes, doesn't it? Um, fear can keep you up at night. And the thing about fear is that fear is a byproduct. It's a secondary emotion. Um, it comes from the ability that we have that God has given us where we accumulate knowledge and experience. And from the, that knowledge and experience, we're able to project into the future what we think might happen. That's a really good gift that we have. You think about the first humans that discovered fire and then got too close to it. They gathered some information, and then passed it on into the future that, hey, do not get close to fire. Now, that's a good thing. And the thing about fear is that this ability to gather information and project into the future, it's not just negative, it's also positive. I mean, you can gather information, project into the future something great that might happen, right? I mean, you ever have that moment where you're like, I can't hardly wait until this thing happens? Um, this gift that God has given us, it allows us to dream, to hope, to imagine. But it also gives us this potential of what if? What if the bad thing happens? What if it doesn't go the way I think it will? So fear can be good. Fear can be negative. Jesus had a lot to say about fear. And if you could boil down Jesus' message about fear, it would be this. Fear not. If you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm just afraid, Jesus would say, stop it. Stop being afraid. Are you sure? I'm worried about this, Jesus. Stop it. Now, is that helpful? Does that help you overcome your fear? Not always, right? And so the narrative that we're going to look at today, uh, we're going to see that everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. So he had a big crowd that would follow him, and then he had some disciples and a smaller crowd. Then he had 12 guys. And he would tell these 12 guys, he says it here in, in Mark 
chapter 8, verse 31. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, to follow me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Then he tells his disciples, he says, listen, I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. You're going to be arrested, you're going to be beaten, and you're going to be executed. So fear not. You hear that, you think, no, Jesus, I, I have reason to fear. If you're telling me that these are the things that are going to happen in my life, and as we look at the apostles, these are the things that happened to them, that doesn't make any sense for me to not fear. I have reason to fear. And so what Jesus is going to need to do to his disciples or for them is he's going to have to teach them to no longer be afraid of death. You ever pray for patience? Praying for patience is one of the hardest things to do because you know what's going to happen every week if I pray for patience? You know what happens to me? I get into traffic somewhere where God is going to make me just sit still and where I have to become patient. Uh, same thing we're going to see here. If God needs to make these apostles fearless, well, guess what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to put them into situations where they can overcome their fear. And so here we are in Matthew 8, starting in verse 23. Here's what happens. And I love what Jesus does. Everything he does is so purposeful. It's so connected. We start in verse 23. He says, then he got into a boat and his disciples followed him. If you're following Jesus, you got to go where he goes. You got to do what he does. Verse 24. And then suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Now, in Galilee, storms would come in really quick. This is not uncommon. But when this happened, they are covered by clouds. They can't see land. There is thunder and wind. They would have to yell at each other in order to hear what's going on. There's water crashing into the boat. And Jesus, what's he doing? He's sleeping, right? I really think Jesus has orchestrated this moment to teach his disciples about fear. So here he is sleeping. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They're screaming at him to wake him up. Verse 26, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. Think for a moment. Rebuking the wind and the wind stops. We've kind of seen storms come in quickly and then move on and wind will stop. But rebuking the waves and the waves stop immediately? That, that's not how water works, right? Once the waves are going, it takes 45 minutes or longer to get waves to get the water to stop moving. But Jesus stops it immediately. I believe Jesus set this whole situation up, right? He says, why are you so afraid? Well, Jesus, we're in a boat in the middle of a storm. Um, Jesus just gets up after they wake him. You notice he's not panicked. He's not concerned. The God that has created time, he doesn't panic, do you remember back in the day, the clapper? Anybody remember the clapper? I, I love those commercials, you know? Clap on, clap off, the clapper. <laughs> like, they wake Jesus up. He gets out of this boat, and he just walks up to the wind and the waves, and he goes, <laughs> and it stops. 
I mean, here's the thing. Jesus wanted the disciples to see this. That I'm sovereign over all. I'm in control of all things. You need not fear. I can clap my hands and everything stops. Here's the thing. If, if, if Jesus wanted the disciples to see this, and God made sure that this was recorded in the Bible, I'm pretty sure he wants us to see this as well. That when you're panicked, when you're worried, God's not. And if God's not worried, and if God's not panicked, you don't need to worry either. You can fear not. So look here in verse 27. The men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this? a great question. Even the wind and waves obey him. Now, if you read this story in Mark's gospel, what I believe is I believe Peter probably told Mark this story. Peter was most likely illiterate. He was a fisherman all of his life. He probably didn't know how to read and write. I believe Peter told Mark this story. And when you read Mark's gospel, Mark says it this way, that we were afraid, this is Peter speaking, we were afraid, but then we were even more afraid. And basically, Peter tells Mark, like, we began to fear an even greater fear. We were afraid, but then we were terrified. That latter fear became greater than the former fear. You see, their confidence in Jesus overwhelmed their fear of drowning. The lesson Jesus is trying to teach them here is just simple. Um, you don't have to allow fear to overwhelm you because there's something more overwhelming than the thing you're afraid of right now. You see, if you fear the right person, there's nothing else in this world you ever need to fear. So the key takeaway from this field trip that Jesus took his disciples on is this. The way you overcome fear is you fear a greater fear. That's what they did. They feared a greater fear. You overcome your fears by fearing something greater than the thing you're afraid of. And so, a few days later, Jesus gets the disciples together. They huddle up, and he says, Hey, guys, you, you remember that field trip we went on? Yeah. That didn't go so well, did it? No. Uh, well, let's, let's unpack what we've learned because everything with Jesus is a learning experience. And you see this conversation that he has with them in Matthew 10. So we flip over here, and in Matthew 10, verse 28, you get the key verse of this message that we want to focus in on. Here's what Jesus tells them about this moment. He says, Do not be afraid for, of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both cell, soul and body, in hell. Jesus essentially told them, fear a greater fear, right? Um, don't be afraid of anything that can kill your body. There's more to you than just your body. There's a you that goes with you after your body is no longer with you. Fear the one who can destroy that, not the one who can destroy your, your body. So Jesus recaps the boat ride. He says, listen, you feared the wrong thing, you were fearing for your life. Now, you had a reason to be afraid. Drowning is not a good thing, right? But 
you should have been more afraid of the person who was in the boat with you than your circumstances that was going on outside of the boat. Now, what I love here next is that Jesus is going to encourage the disciples, and I think he's encouraging us here too if we struggle with fear. Look what he says next in verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? That must have been the going rate for a sparrow. Um, Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. Essentially, he's saying sparrows are worthless, and yet God is still aware of them. He still cares for them. He still knows what's going on in their life. Verse 30 and 31. And even the hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. Stop it, right? Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You're valuable to God. You are worth more than many sparrows. You're made in his image. You're his masterpiece. You're the very crown jewel of creation. God knows your name. He knows your circumstances. He knows everything about you, and he cares for you. So you might be here today, and you say, Jake, man, I'm just worried, right? I'm I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my kids, my marriage. Jake, I'm worried. And the message we see here from the text is fear not. God cares for you. He knows what's going on in your life. The very hairs on your head are counted. And God's word says that he is working all things, all things for the good. So Jesus turns to the disciples and says, do you guys, you got, you got this? And they're like, yeah, we got it, Jesus. Are you sure? Yeah, we got it. We wrote it down. You care for us. Don't fear. We're with you. We're on board. Jesus says, great. Let's go on another field trip then, right? Uh, this is kind of how God works, right? You learn something, and then he increases the intensity a little bit to teach you more. So here's what happens. Jesus is out. He's teaching in the middle of nowhere. And like any good pastor or any good preacher, he preaches way too long, right? The sun is going down. The people have been there all day. There's a crowd of 5,000 men, probably more people than that. The people are hungry. Jesus looks at his disciples and said, we got to feed them. The disciples say, there's no way we can feed them. Just tell them to go to the neighboring towns. They can look for their own food. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, no, you feed them. And so they're scattering. Does anybody have any food? There's a little boy who has a lunch. They break the crowd into groups. They separate the lunch to where they can feed each group. They look at the plate. They're like, this is not enough, right? But here's the thing. You give God what you have, he makes it more than enough. So they send out these little plates, and they come back with leftovers. It dawns on the disciples, we just performed a miracle, right? Jesus just used us to perform a miracle. So they're high-fiving, the morale and the confidence is high. I don't know this, but I think they took the little boy who gave his lunch, they put him up on his shoulders, they chanted Rudy as they walked out of there. You know, this is incredible. This would be like Coffee County beating Tullahoma in football. It was that kind of miracle, right? I did that once. It's incredible when it happens. But here's the thing. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately after this moment, look what the text says. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat 
and go on ahead of him onto the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Why did Jesus have to make them? Well, they remembered the last time they got in a boat with Jesus. We're not doing that again. Jesus says, hey guys, get in the boat. And they're like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll dismiss the crowd. You, you can go. Get in the boat, guys. Now, Jesus, we'll walk. Guys, get in this boat. So he makes them get in. You see here in verse 25, shortly before dawn, they've been in that boat all night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, you probably know how this story is going, right? Um, I've got some atheist friends that criticize this story all the time. Uh, they make fun of the fact Jesus walks on water. Here's what I tell them. Three eyewitnesses who were in that boat that night tell this story. You got Matthew, you got Peter through Mark, and you got John. They all tell this story, and none of them leave out the embarrassing detail of their fear and their failure in this moment when Jesus walks out and they think it's a ghost. Listen, if they were making this story up, they wouldn't include this detail that makes them look bad. They would have left it out. But we look at what happens here in verse 26. The disciples saw him walking on the lake, and they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. What's Jesus been trying to do this whole time? He's trying to teach them to not fear. What did they do here in this moment? They completely failed again. Matthew, Peter, John, they all said, yep, we failed. We were terrified. We'll look at verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Uh, this is so encouraging, right? Here's the key takeaway we get from this field trip. It's this. Failure is never final in Christ. Uh, you see, the disciples, they never got it. They continually missed this. They lived in fear the whole time. Right up till the very end, the, the apostles were full of fear. You think about the night uh, that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus tells them, I'm bringing a new command, a new movement, a new covenant. Everything they've ever dreamed of. The Messiah is about to reinstate his kingdom. We're going to overthrow the Romans. And then the Romans come in. What do the disciples do? They run. They scatter. When Jesus is hanging on the cross and he dies, they think it's over. Here's the big idea of these passages that I want you to get. I want you to see that the resurrection punctuated everything Jesus taught and said about himself. You see, sometimes for us, the resurrection is a holiday. We, we celebrate Easter. We have egg hunts. We dress in pastels. And we have family photos. But to these 12 men, the resurrection was everything. Right? After the resurrection, they finally got it. And they feared not. Um, when someone loses their fear of death, it's hard to threaten them, right? Um, uh, Claudius uh, Galenus, the first century physician and philosopher, he said this about the early church. I want you to see it. He said, for their fearlessness of death and the thereafter, 
is something we witnessed of them every day. Meaning what Jesus was trying to teach them before the resurrection, after the resurrection, they got it. They got this fear not. You see it in Acts 4, verse 13. Look what you see here. It says, when they saw the courage or the boldness or the fearlessness of Peter and John, the guys who were in that boat, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. This fear not that Jesus had been preaching to them, they got hold of it, and it changed the world. This fear not that we see, it's partly in the reason why we're gathered here today, because these men feared not and would spread the gospel no matter the cost. And as we close this morning, I want you to hear from Peter, if you're dealing with fear right now. I want you to hear from the guy who struggled with fear and then became fearless, and I want you to hear what he says. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, 7. It says, cast all of your anxiety, all of your fear on him because he cares for you. Because you're worth more than many sparrows. Because God knows every detail about your life. And he's working it all for the good. So today, we give you an opportunity. We give you an invitation and we give you a promise. The invitation is this. It's the same as in Mark 8 that we read earlier. Jesus says, come, follow me. And if you follow me, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your very life. You're going to have to give God a blank check and say, here you go. I surrender. It's all yours. Whatever you want to do. That's what it's going to cost. It's an invitation to follow him. I hope it would be worth it, right? If you lose your life, you gain it. If you keep your life, you lose it. There's an invitation to follow him, but here's the promise. Is that if you follow him, you have nothing to fear. Because you're fearing a greater fear. There's nothing in this world you could ever be afraid of. Because you know that he's holding you in his hand. And that he cares for you. The last thing I'll say before we pray is this. Jesus carried your sin on the cross, and he'll also carry you through every season of your life. So fear not. Stop it. He cares for you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this word that we get throughout the New Testament. God, that you took ordinary men. And you taught them not to fear, to know you're fully in control, and that, God, we can project into the future and we can see what we think might happen, but we know you're fully in control. And so, Father, today, if there's anyone here struggling with fear, I would ask that they would just fear a greater fear, that they would put all their hope and trust in you, knowing that you care for them. Father, if there's someone here who doesn't know you or doesn't yet have a relationship with you, may they take this invitation and this promise that they give their lives to you, but they know that you carry them through all of life. And we ask this in Jesus' good name. Amen. So today you get this invitation. You get this promise. If, you hear, if you're here and you're not in Christ, you give him everything, but then you know he's in control of everything. 
today. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you can do that by coming forward or meeting me at the Welcome Center or another pastor. We'd love to get you to somebody who can have a conversation with you about how you can follow Christ. We can schedule your baptism and you can begin your journey with Jesus today. Maybe today in the same way you want to join our church, you can come forward and do that. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you saying, hey, there's something you need to let go of. There's some fear in your heart. You need to release. Trust the Lord. Fear a greater fear. Know he's in control. You can do that too. Would you stand to respond to the word of God together?
Lord, you are more than enough. You are here. You are Lord. You are hope. You are grace. You are all I have. Let's sing that together. seat. It's great to hear that God can uh, take our fears from us. I know that's, a, that's something we all struggle with, but as we give, give ourselves over to just the truth that God's going to carry us through everything, uh, we can cast our cares on Him. So I want to point you to a couple things as we uh, wrap up. Uh, we're heading to the Easter season, and we got our Easter egg hunt coming up Saturday. Uh, Palm Sunday's next Sunday. We have a member meeting to discuss some important business. So make note of these things. And then, of course, remind you to invite friends uh, to our Easter Sunday services. Uh, a couple other things uh, in your bulletin, uh, worship God, whatever we call that thing. Uh, we have a volunteer sur uh, interest survey. So uh, this is the time of year where we're getting ready uh, for the next year of ministry. It starts uh, next August. So uh, we need your help and we, we need... Uh, to know what you might be interested in, in, in serving and how you may use your gifts. So uh, there's options there of, of needs that we have for leadership. You can uh, fill these out and drop in a box in your library in the Welcome Center. And then uh, we've wrapped up our church directory photograph sessions uh, over extended weeks with weather and that sort of thing. But I uh, wanted to let you know if you missed a directory uh, photo session, uh, you still have options. So. Uh, you can email me a picture, or you can uh, let us know that you want to use the picture from uh, last directory. If you li really like that one and you want to use that again, just let us know. Um, but we'll have set up on the website a link to my email uh, so you can submit those and we can get you in the directory. And uh, if you want to... Uh, if you want to get a directory, uh, it, it costs $10 for you to submit uh, a picture that they didn't take. So that's kind of how that works. So uh, submit $10. You can put that in the deposit box. Just make a note about directory picture. Email me your pictures. Let me know if you want to use the one next year, and we'll get that all sorted out. So there you go. I was Let, younger in that other one. I like the other yeah, one. Yeah, you know, a little, 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 gray, little more hair, less gray. Yeah, yeah, the directory time machine. So there you, there go. you go. Well, let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. 
God, again, we thank you for your word and, and for the truth that you care for us and that we don't have to fear, God. And we know that, and you know that that's hard for us, but you teach us along the way, just like you taught the disciples, that we can trust you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Jesus and the resurrection and what that means for us. Uh, God, just uh, help us to glorify you in everything that we do. Help us to seek after you and let your truth be in us. God, uh, we love you. Thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.